welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaleluma podcast channel. This Sunday, Apostle continues in the Sunday service series on the Holy Spirit. Today, Apostle teaches us from Scripture what the promise of God is. The man of God goes on to show us that we have been baptized in the Holy Ghost and power. He concludes by giving us a greater understanding of how we are the body of Christ. Grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick Kaliluma from City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Sang till I found my song. And still my heart. Okay, let's go to the sermon. So I'll, I'll bring you up to speed with where we've been, and then I'm going to take you somewhere we've never been. So, um, for those who are interacting with this ministry, especially for the first time, and those who are still new and adjusting to this ministry, we are a word-based church, and we believe everyone must grow in the word. So we take time to teach you deep things. Praise God. And so what has been happening is that in recent weeks, we've been talking about uh, the glory of God. We've talked about the Ark of the Covenant. Oh my goodness, what have we not talked about? We've talked about the temple. Somehow Adam and Eve came in. As in, we've been talking, I tell you, we've been talking. But I can assure you, if you pay attention to today's word, you can be brought up to speed if you pay attention to today's word. And, okay. So, we've been talking, we've been talking, and last week, we looked at what it really meant to have Jesus on earth. I'll tell you what it meant. When Jesus was on earth, Jesus was the tabernacle. When Jesus was on earth, he was the tabernacle. The Bible says the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. You remember the tabernacle? The tabernacle was a tent which was pitched where God's glory could be. So the tent which was pitched was a body named Jesus. When he was on earth, he was the tabernacle. Apart from that, when Jesus was on earth, he was the temple. How many of you remember the temples that were built? Jesus comes on earth. And to prove that he was the officially recognized temple of God on earth, who God was recognizing, Jesus says, you know what? Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll build it. And then the people replied, it took 46 years to build this temple. And then the Bible says they did not know that the temple he was talking about was his body. So Jesus was the tabernacle. Jesus was the temple. And here's the thing. Jesus walked on earth as Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? Emmanuel means God with us. And yet, Emmanuel was not the promise. Emmanuel was the sign. What Emmanuel was going to accomplish was the promise. 
I'll say that again. And you can read that in the book of Isaiah. Haven't you read? Doesn't it say the following sign will be there? The virgin shall conceive and you shall call the child Emmanuel. But there was a promise and John tells us about this. Now, I also want us to understand that the reason why Jesus was the temple, the reason why Jesus was the tabernacle, was because Jesus had the spirit of God without measure. He wasn't like uh, Solomon who had wisdom. He wasn't like, I mean wisdom only. He wasn't like uh, uh, Samson who had strength but was clearly lacking in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. No, he wasn't like that. He had the fullness of the spirit within him. He had the spirit of God without measure. That's why Jesus was not anointed with oil. You know, Jesus was not anointed with oil to become the Messiah. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Can you imagine, like, oh, let me anoint you. What are you anointing me with? The Holy Spirit. And what? Power. Praise God. Don't worry, those this side have not forgotten you. Some of them began to give me looks. Praise God. So he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And so, uh, let's start from Matthew chapter, from John chapter, from John chapter 12, verse 24, from the NLT. I just, this, will, this will bring us up to speed with where we've been. We've understood who Jesus was, but you must understand that this same Jesus had an assignment, and that assignment has to do with you and me. And if you can pay attention today, oh my goodness, your life will never be the same again. I think you didn't, I think they didn't hear you. Welcome to Christianity. Welcome, as a matter of fact, in a better way, welcome to the kingdom. This is kingdom. So it says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. When Jesus was speaking these words, he was alone. And it's not good for, them, for Jesus to be alone. Just like the first Adam, it wasn't good. That's last week's sermon. When Jesus was speaking these words, he was the only begotten. But notice what he says. It's not good for a kernel of wheat. Uh, it dies and it remains alone. But its death will produce. Reproducing, reproducing. Its death, some of you have caught it. Its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. In short, Jesus had to die so that when he resurrects, he could produce many new of his kind. That way he could shift from being the only begotten to becoming the firstborn among men. You must understand that. Now, you must understand that what made Jesus who he was, was the fact that he had the Spirit of God without measure. That's why when John the Baptist was announcing the assignment of Jesus, look at what he says. In Matthew 3.11, he said, I indeed baptize you with water for repentance. But the one coming after me is mightier than I. His sandals, I cannot even, I'm not fit to wear his sandals. This one will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I want us to understand something here. Repentance has to do with 
Stop sinning. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Change your lifestyle. Stop going to those places. Stop hanging out with those friends. That relationship is too toxic. How come that's the only point where you... <laughs> it hits home. <laughs> Stop insulting. Don't watch this. Instead, do this, do this, do this. You notice that's how repentance is. It's, it's about a change of lifestyle. It's about a turnaround. It's about uh, changing habits and all those things. And interestingly, that's actually elementary stuff. There are people who believe that's the fullness of Christianity. So they'll be like, the problem with pastors today is that these young pastors don't preach about sin. When people come to church, they must weep and cry because of their sin. What they forgot is that they did such a good job. Such a good job that they got many saved. And so they can't be weeping about sins which have been removed. <laughs> and no, now it's time for the increase. What am I trying to say? As important as repentance was, John was literally saying, this assignment I have, in case you think this is deep, there's a bigger one. The one who's coming, this one when he comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. And that's why John's repentance had a condition. John said, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he was saying, listen, repent because you need to prepare yourself because there's something bigger, there's something better coming. So why is repentance important? It clears the mountains. That was John's role, to clear the way for the Messiah. Get some of these things out of the way. I don't know if you're getting my point. Like, I mean, you're going to struggle to grow and understand the depths. You'll struggle to believe you're the righteousness of God if you're still going to the back. Get it out of the way. You'll struggle to believe your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit if you're having sex outside marriage. You struggle to believe that. The only, the only thing that will appeal to you is when we talk about how uh, you're not condemned. And that's the only thing that will appeal to you. You struggle to grow in the depths of the other parts. So get those things out of the way. They clear you out. Praise God. And if you're struggling with them, come, let's talk. We can help you. It would be unfair of God to demand a lifestyle of you that he can't provide. Addictions break. They can break. And they are breaking today in Jesus' name. So now, he says, I baptize you with water unto repentance. But there is someone coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. The word baptism is the Greek word baptizo. What this Greek word means. You know, it feels so good as a preacher saying the Greek word. Eh? I need to do that more often. <laughs> I wasn't there when they were teaching Greek words. <laughs> So when I know one. Anyways, let's continue. <laughs> so the Greek word for baptism. <laughs> somebody sent me a funny photo uh, of somebody saying admiring a preacher is nice until he wakes you up at 03 to tell you the Greek word for cereal. <laughs> so I immediately replied with the Greek word for cereal. <laughs> Lord Jesus. So, what baptism actually means is full immersion. 
buku. <laughs> uh, what nyanja word can I use? Kuku dobola, kuku dumbwila completely. I hope my vernacular is right. Kwingila, praise God. Like you have to enter, like boom, out. That's why when we're doing the baptisms later uh, this year, you'll notice that we advise that if the baptism you experienced was one maybe like the hand or maybe just the toes or perhaps just the face, we don't recommend that because there's no one in the Bible who got baptized like that. Because baptism is symbolic of burial according to Romans 6 verse 4, right? Symbolic of burial. So we're not just going to bury somebody's hand. <laughs> Praise God. We're not, it's symbolic of burial. So now, what he's saying is that Jesus will... That's the vernacular word in your, in, in your head. You can say, Jesus will... No, say it loud. I want to hear. Jesus will... <laughs> that same one. So what, what I can say is that Jesus will literally... Baptize you in the Holy Ghost. In, literally in him. And fire. Praise God. Literally baptizing you in. That's his assignment. And you begin to notice that when, especially when you read uh, the book of John, when Jesus was about to leave, he kept talking about the Holy Spirit. Read John 14. Read John 15. Read John 16. He kept talking about the Holy Spirit. And then he says something in John 16 verse 7. Because they were crying. They were like, he's saying to them, I'll need to go. And this is what I was saying earlier. That our maturity in the faith will come when we have an understanding of the death of Jesus. Somebody say the death of Jesus. Maybe before the death, we should have an understanding of why Jesus came in the first place. Okay? The life of Jesus, the man, the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the ascension of Jesus. All are very significant. And you'll notice that the part I'm dwelling on today is more of the ascension. Notice this. John 16, verse 7. Observe that here he's not talking about his death. There are certain verses where he would tell them, I'm going to die soon, then I'll come back. Here he's talking about his ascension. He says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If he was talking about his death, he would have said, I will, don't worry, I'll come back, I'll rise again. You'll notice that when he would talk about his death. But here, he's referring to him leaving the earth completely. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. This is not the death now. This is the ascension. Because the death didn't lead him to heaven. Let's remember that if you've read Ephesians. And if you've read Jude. But he says, if I depart, I will send him to you. Who is the helper? He had introduced him, remember, in John 14, 16. I'll pray to the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because he neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He said something interesting. He said, this same helper who I'm sending to you, you're already familiar with him. 
And he says, because he is with you. Why was he with them? Because he was in Jesus and Jesus was with them. So he's like, don't worry, he's with you. But a time will come when he will be in you. That's John 14, 16, verse 17. So right now you interact with him through my body, through me. But a time's going to come when he will be in you. This veil will be torn and he will be in you himself. We need to understand that. Praise God. Let's continue. When we read two, three more scriptures, it will make more sense. I want us to understand that Jesus ascended so that he could send us the Spirit. And it was to our advantage that Jesus had to ascend. Because if Jesus did not ascend, the Spirit would not have come. Because the Spirit could only be in the body of Christ. Let me say that again. The Spirit dwells, <laughs> the Bible tells us that it's in the body of Christ that God dwells in bodily form, right? You've seen that. Not so. Have you? Should I maybe not assume that you have? Because I assumed everyone has seen that one. I even gave, I don't think I even gave the people in the first service. Colossians 2.9. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So when Jesus was on earth, when Jesus tabernacled on earth, when Jesus was the temple on earth, the Spirit of God could only dwell in Jesus fully. Because the Spirit of God could only dwell in the body of Christ. But Jesus had plans. He had plans. His plan was as follows. Unless a kennel, he, he thought to himself, you know what? Unless a kennel of wheat dies. When it dies, what happens? It can reproduce other kennels of its kind. So in dying and resurrecting, he created a platform to reproduce other kennels, other bodies in whom the spirit could dwell. And then in ascending, he puts those bodies in order to come as one. You'll see that. You'll see that as we proceed. How many of you are being blessed? Just wave your hand if you're being blessed. How many of you are hearing stuff like this for the first time? Don't be shy. Just raise your hand. Like, <laughs> okay, wonderful. Do you understand now why we oversing? Why we overdance? What he has done for us. So now, I want you to understand something. Praise God. That he said it's to your advantage that I go away. Why? When Jesus went away, he created a platform for us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And let's go to that. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Notice, Emmanuel was the sign, but now Jesus tells them about the promise. Acts 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for what? The promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit so many times. That's why if we are like him, we should talk about the Holy Spirit so many times. Because that's where Christianity really, really, really starts. Because notice, he didn't allow them to start the church until the Spirit came. And in verse 5, notice what he says. For John truly baptized with water, 
he refers to the prophecy of John. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And here's something that I'll tell you. The baptism of the Spirit is more than tongues. The baptism of the Spirit is more than tongues. To be baptized means to be immense. To be baptized means to be introduced with experience. To be introduced with experience. And I gave a story earlier about how, you know, uh, when I was an UNSA student. At first I mistakenly said when I was a student. Forgetting that I'm almost always a student. So when I was an UNSA student, I did very badly in my first assignment. And the second and third years were happy. They were like, finally, you've been baptized into UNSA. I'm thinking, by the way, please help people. Eh? People shouldn't do as badly as maybe your first assignment and stuff like that. I made it, I made it a go. Yeah, I made it a go to help others. But nevertheless, according, what they were trying to say is that I was literally now introduced. It was beyond registration. It was beyond filling a form. It was beyond paying school fees and having an ID. I now had the experience. I felt it. I was baptized into it. I don't know if you get my point. So when you're baptized, you're introduced into something with experience. So you can think of somebody who's been living in another country and then they come to Zambia. That first real Zambian experience that they have, you can call that their baptism to Zambia. You may be like, welcome to Zambia. <laughs> the real Africa. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting my point. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I can give you example after example. I, I remember how uh, I, I experienced cultural shock. I went to, um, I went to China. And when I was there, like the, the smoking culture is extremely high. So in an elevator, and everyone was smoking, I'm thinking, in an elevator. And so I came out like, and then someone comes like, ah, welcome to China. <laughs> I'm telling you. It was a cultural shock. So what am I trying to say? That the Spirit of God is the one who gives you the real experience of Christianity. He's the one who introduces you to, to the faith. He's the one who introduces you to Christianity. Somebody say glory. glory. Say it one more time. Glory. So Jesus promised that in a few days they are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And now let me show you that the, the baptism is, is more than even just tongues. Because in Acts 2, and tongues are important. In Acts 2, the Bible says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Uh -huh. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Let's go on. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You observe that the function of speaking in tongues was as a result of the infilling of the Spirit. And you'll see that in Acts 10, you'll see that in Acts 19. But you'll notice what Peter experienced was more than that. Suddenly, Peter was able to explain Joel 2. Notice, he was able to relate scriptures, which, which shows you that he was also filled with understanding at that point. 
Suddenly, Acts chapter 3, they were working miracles. Which shows you that the baptism of the Spirit is more than speaking in tongues. It's the, it's the, life, of, it's the life of power. It's an introduction to kingdom. It's an introduction to kingdom. And what does this do? He arrests your tongue because it's the most powerful instrument. It's an introduction to kingdom. The Bible says the tongue is the steering wheel of the body. It's an introduction to the kingdom life. And the baptism of the Spirit accomplished so many things in us. Number one, I'll tell you just two for today. Number one, because Jesus of Jesus' assignment to baptize us in the Holy Ghost, that Spirit was with them, was now in them. It's the mystery that has been hidden for years. As God was making all these temples, they couldn't tell why he would always design the temples, the, the tabernacles in three parts. They couldn't tell that what he was really longing after was spirit, soul, body. As he was setting all these patterns, they didn't understand that what he was longing for was spirit, soul, body. When he was revealing to Moses, I mean, he could have kept some of the information to himself about how he created Adam and, and, and the like. But when he was revealing to him some of those details, he was very deliberate because he was trying to show them that the second Adam would die and his death would produce a bride. And that mystery which was hidden all those ages, according to Colossians 1.26, the Bible says, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to the saints, not to the pastors, to the saints, all of us. And it says, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is more than Emmanuel. This is more than God with us. This is God in us. Your life will change when you, when you realize God is in you. Those questions you usually have of, sometimes I'm on fire, then I grow cold. I don't know what happens. Maybe you've not learned that Christ is in you. Maybe you've not learned what Christ being in you makes you. Maybe you've not learned that the Holy Spirit is in you. And because Christ is in you, and this part I want us all to get, please hear me, for a believer. Because Christ is in you, you, as a matter of fact, this is the reason why Christ is in you, actually. You have become the body of Christ. The very body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 12. The very body of Christ. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, and give me verse 12. I want us to read this together so we read it for ourselves. This was accomplished by the assignment of Jesus to baptize us into the Holy Ghost. And you'll see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. 1, 2, 3, read. Ah, some people this side are not reading. 1, 2, 3, read. <laughs> Christ, listen, Jesus was saying it's to your advantage that I go. He, he was thinking, you know what, if I can do all this in one body, how much more can I do with a billion? How much more can I do with a million? What if I added Michael to that body? What if I added Django to that body? What if I added Stephen to that body? Now, in case you're wondering, okay, okay, bring it home, bring it home, the next verse. One, two, three, read. Ah. One, two, three, read. Are you seeing that? I've been building all this to tell you that by one spirit... All of us were baptized into one body. And let me tell you how this body works. Heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. <laughs> how this body works is as follows. The head of this body is in heaven. The rest of this body is on earth. Ephesians. <laughs> Chapter 1, verse 16. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I said earlier that, please, when you're praying for other people, don't just mention them. Eh? Notice after he mentioned, he gave the prayer point. Because I once heard someone saying, I pray for Frederick. I pray for Emmanuel. I pray for Bonwell. Amen. Amen. <laughs> what have you prayed? Amen. <laughs> The Bible says, I do not cease to give thanks for oh, 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 making mention of you in my prayers. Uh huh. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, hey, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Why? Uh huh. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let me finish it from that side. <laughs> and what is, <laughs> and what is the exceeding greatness of his, oh my, I just realized it must be tough to be the camera person for me. <laughs> okay, concentrate. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? Are you following so far? Say, I'm following. Ah, next verse. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Then he didn't just end on the resurrection. And seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. The ascension. What did this accomplish? 
above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. I've got a question for you. Can, can Jesus be bewitched? Okay, if all the couches and all the Satanists and all the witches stood today, join hands and say, today we are going to bewitch the Lord Jesus. You can't... The Bible says, even the demons know his Lord and they tremble. But guess what? We can see from the sons of Sceva that it's not only Jesus who shook them. They also said, poor we know. <laughs> they also said, poor we know. <laughs> they didn't just end up, they knew poor. <laughs> they knew poor. They knew poor so well that even if a handkerchief and an apron came from Paul, they, they recognize, hey, whose handkerchief is that? Paul's handkerchief. Guys, let's just go. If this, <laughs> let's just go with the handkerchief because if this guy comes himself, even Peter they knew such that when his shadow would move, the Bible tells us sicknesses would check out. Jesus is far above all principalities and powers. Every dominion, every name that can be named in this age and in the age to come. But look at the next verse. Where do you and I come in? And he put all things under his feet. And these things are not under his shoulder. They are not under his head. They are not side by side with him. They are all under his feet. All of them are under his feet. That's why you've got a message for Satan. Write it on your shoe. <laughs> he won't be able to see it properly anywhere else. He put all things under his feet. And then gave him to be head over all things. The church. Remember earlier on, it says, just as one body has many members, even Christ also has many members. So he, he seated him in his place as head over all things, the church. Now, what is the church? Uh huh. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the church is the body of Christ. So if all things are under his feet, then all things are under our feet. We are the body of Christ. And how did this happen? By the Spirit. By the Spirit, we were baptized into one body. And we've all drunk from the same spirit just as they drank from the same water of the rock. We've drunk from one spirit. We've been baptized into one body. The Bible tells us there may be different manifestations, but the same spirit. So this one, when the spirit touch, we might be in a service, the same spirit touching us, different manifestations. Someone might be doing a somersault. Someone might be weeping. The other person might be laughing. I might have this style of preaching. You know how I preach. I'm, I think, one of the most calm preachers I know. I might have this calm, slow style of preaching. Another person might be extremely energetic and others might be very <laughs> I don't know if you're I don't know if you're getting my point. But the same spirit, different manifestations. Others might say yes sir. Others might say come on man of God. But different manifestations. <laughs> Woo! Now 
The church is his body. And I can show you just one more portion of scripture. Acts chapter 9. Look at Acts 9. The conversion of Paul. When his name was Saul. The Bible tells us that this guy, let's start from verse 1. Pay attention. Eh? Sometimes we don't get much because we don't pay attention. So pay attention. Then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Who was he threatening? Come on guys, who was he threatening? Did Paul ever stand up and say, Jesus, I'm threatening you today. I'll deal with you. He didn't even believe Jesus was alive. So who was Paul threatening? Who was Paul threatening? Come on, say it out loud. Who was he threatening? Okay, verse 4. Then he fell to the ground. He saw a light, okay, in verse 3. And then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him. And, you know, I don't know, sometimes something, the projector screen sometimes, it's a bit bent. So if I read it wrongly, just correct me, feel free, okay? So he heard a voice saying to him, so, so, why are you persecuting my disciples? Are, are, are you sure? So, so, why are you persecuting Irene Peter? So, so, why are you persecuting my homeboys? Okay, what does he say? So, so, why are you persecuting me? And the guy was shocked, like, hey, hey, hey me? I've never been. As in a light from heaven, this is super. Look, me, I'm just fighting people. Look at what he says. <laughs> the guy was like, hey, who are you? And then he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Why? Because by touching the disciples, he was touching the body of Christ. <laughs> Listen to me. After this message, you no longer fear. No, in our family, in our family, there's witchcraft. I've got news for you. In your family, there's a Christian. In your family, there's a kingdom one. There's a dominator. And I'll tell you why God has raised apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's to perfect you so that you can come to the fullness. The Lord Jesus has got a huge body. The only trouble is that majority of the members of this body don't know who they are. They are not edified, so they are weak. They don't know who they are. That's why look at Ephesians 4 verse 11. It says it is hard to kick against the gods. Ephesians 4 11. It says, he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of what? The body. The strengthening of the body of Christ. To what? So do you see that you're the body of Christ? Till we all come to the unity of faith. God doesn't want you to just be, oh, I'm just this... I'm just this uh, Sunday-going believer, but hey, I've got a powerful pastor. Are you serious? Is that where he wants it to end? Is that all he died for? So that you should just have one or two powerful superstars? No. He says, till we all come to the unity of faith, all of us, not one of us, all of us, come to the unity of faith. And then when we come to the unity of faith, what else? The knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Notice we are now becoming one. Eh? At this point, we are now being described as one. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In short, what Jesus did with one body. Imagine what he would do with a million bodies who know this stuff. 
I don't know if you heard that. Imagine if every person in this place caught it. How many have caught it in this place? How many will guard it? How many will guard it? Hey! The church is the body of Christ. As we proceed in this series, you'll see why we are the temple of the Lord. You understand why Paul could be shocked that members of the church were doing certain things. Like, don't you know? There was something they didn't know. That's why they were living at a lower level of revelation. You'll find out why when he was talking about members of the same body, he was talking about the gifts of the spirit, you learn that every Christian is gifted. And by sitting on your gift, you're blocking I don't know how many people from a miracle. I'm like, I just got saved yesterday. Ah-ah. So, <laughs> I'm telling you, the day you got, one second later, there was already something in you that can bless the entire body of Christ. Praise God. Praise God. I pray you've been blessed. And, so, and I've been getting texts from a number of you saying, what, is, what does it really mean to be born again? The new birth experience is as a result of your response to the message about Jesus. So if you're in this place, and remember, if you're not sure, it's better to become sure. The Bible says, make your election sure. So if you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor, I want to be part of this kingdom. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be saved. I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hands. Just lift your hands. Now in the name of Jesus, I want you to say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Let's be a bit louder. I believe you came in the flesh. You died, you were buried, and you rose again. I confess you as my Lord, give you my life. Amen. Now in Jesus' name, I bless you. I declare that all is well with you. I declare you are winning. I declare in Jesus' name upon you that what was lost is found. I declare in the name of Jesus, I send someone who's had a heaviness, like it's like coming from the shoulder, going down, like this heaviness. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I declare that you're walking in perfect health. I declare that you're winning even in your school. There's a turnaround for that one who feels like they're going to fail. Everything is just going wrong. There's a turnaround now in Jesus' name. You are blessed. You're blessed. And now, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord.
What a service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on the City of the Lord Zambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.